episode number 232 of the Emotionally Equipped for Life podcast. Hi, this is Shira Gura. Welcome to my podcast. I am on a mission to create an emotionally equipped world. I created two simple step-by-step tools that empower you in your life and in your relationships so you can be calm, be in control, and feel better in any moment. I'm the author of two award-winning books, Getting Unstuck, Five Simple Steps to Emotional Well-Being, and The Clear Way, Five Simple Steps to Be Mentally Prepared for Anything. You can learn more about these books and more by heading over to my website, shiragura.com. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me today, and now for today's episode. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining me today. So I have a surprise interview for you today. This was not the episode I was planning to create for this week, and what I was planning to create for this week, I'll share with you next week. But a couple of days ago, I was swimming in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and a thought came to my mind about sharing that experience with you on the podcast. So let me give you a little bit of background, and then I'll explain to you what this interview is all about. So there's a popular sporting event in Israel called the Crossing of the Sea of Galilee. It's an annual swimming event that usually takes place in September, and it's been going on for more than 50 years. In the interview, you're going to hear me use the word race, but it's not really a race. It's more like a competition. And there are prizes, but the majority of the people who participate, they're not doing it for the prizes, they're doing it just for the experience. Thousands of swimmers, local and foreign, gather to participate in this swimming event every single year, making it one of the biggest open water swimming events in the world. I participated in this event soon after moving to Israel about 10 years ago, And I remember the excitement and the anticipation the first time I did it. I swam with a friend who had done this event in the past, and it was just exhilarating to be a part of it and, of course, to finish it. It really is such a high-energy event, and I've participated in it several times since then. So I noticed the event being publicized a few weeks ago, and I reached out to a couple of my friends to see if they would want to join me. And one of them answered a definite no, like, no, thank you. And my other friend answered a definite yes. So that yes friend is Netta Cohen, who I've spoken about on this podcast in the past. You can actually find her on episode 108, where I interviewed her for the first time. Her name also may ring a bell because I dedicated my second book, The Clear Way, to her. Netta is a friend. She's my early morning walking partner. I consider her one of my coaches. And in short, she's just one of the most incredible people I know. Now, just to put things into context, I am a swimmer. I actually feel more comfortable in water than I do on land. I was a lifeguard for many years. And while I'm technically not licensed anymore as a lifeguard, I still remember the skills I learned, and I do believe I still could save someone in a dire situation if I had to, which I've done in the past. Now, Netta is not a swimmer. She didn't grow up taking swim classes like I did, and she's not a lifeguard. But when she responded to my offer of doing this swim event, saying that she wanted to do it, I believed in her that very moment because Netta thrives on challenges. She's always interested 
to see the edge of her limitations and to try to pass beyond that. So just to offer you a few examples of what I'm talking about. So Netta is from North Carolina. She left home at the age of 15 to go to college, and she graduated with her bachelor's at the age of 17. That was a challenge. She became a drill instructor in the United States Army at the age of 18. That was a challenge. She moved across the world to Israel about four years ago. That was a challenge. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the ice bath thing that many people are doing around the world right now, but I watched Netta sit in a full body ice bath for over three minutes. And that was a challenge. Netta is going to be celebrating her 60th birthday this coming February. And about 10 years ago, she gave birth to twins That's right, at nearly 50 years old. That was a challenge. So that's just a few of the quite amazing things Netta has done in her life, and she's able to do them because she has a powerful mindset. And so in an effort to try to keep this introduction not too long, because I want to get right into the interview, I just want to say that Netta did end up joining me for the swim across the Sea of Galilee, which took place just a couple of days ago, And I wanted to share her experience and my experience and our experience together with you today. Okay, enjoy the interview. (laughs) Woohoo! We had such an amazing day. I had such an amazing day with you. Oh, so what a privilege it was to do this swim with you, to complete this event with you. And I think one of the best things about the day was sitting on the bus on the way to the event, on the way to the starting point, and asking you, because you didn't know in advance, I asked you, I said, do you want to get clear? And you said, yeah. (laughs) And like that, just that, that I can share that with you and that you understood it. It was a language that you understood. We were able to get clear together. And I think that really helped avoid either of us getting stuck because we went into this really challenging event mentally prepared. So what I wanted to do is share with the listeners what our process was. So the first thing that we did was I said, C is for calm. So let's take a few moments and just close our eyes and breathe. So we just sat on this tour bus and that's what we did. We were quiet. And there were, I don't know, 50 other people on the bus with us. And they were, you know, talking and chit-chatting and whatever. And we just sat and we got calm. Mm -hmm. This event started at 6 o'clock in the morning. And the Sea of Galilee is about an hour from our house. So we planned to leave at 5, which means we would have to wake up around 4-ish in order to get ourselves totally ready. So... It was already a long morning by the time we got on that bus to the starting point and taking that stop or taking that time to get calm was a gift. Okay, so then we went on to the next step to get clear, which is L for lighten. And this is where we really notice what heavy thoughts we might be coming into this future moment with and then really like investigating our thoughts and seeing if we can come in or approach those thoughts from a pose of curiosity rather than a pose of like all-knowing. So these were the thoughts that I came in with. This is what I said to you. I said, I know 
I'm going to get leg cramps because I tend to get foot cramps when I swim. And then, so the night before, I made for dinner black bean vegan brownies. And I ate them for dessert and I felt kind of bloated in the morning. So I wasn't feeling hungry. I did use the bathroom in the morning, but I was feeling like full and my belly was feeling full. And I knew going into the swim that I was going to just feel uncomfortable. That's what I was knowing. That Those were the heavy thoughts going into this. And then I lightened them by saying, I might not get leg cramps and I might really feel fine. My body might feel fine. And so I went into this again, with a sense of curiosity and not a sense of like, I know what's going to happen. Right. So the heavy thoughts I came in with, um, you know, I see they're all from my history, interestingly, but one of my heavy thoughts was that because I've been on a very many, many years healing process with my physical body, one of my heavy thoughts was that some part of my body, I knew some part of my body would fail or just be in physical pain. So I didn't know which part. (laughs) I have multiple choices. (laughs) But I just knew that some part of my body would, at some point, get in in excruciating pain. I just knew that. And that felt very heavy. So what I did to lighten that thought was I just kind of scanned my body and I remembered the different things that have happened to my body and the healing that I've been going through. And I just thought, you know, different things like it might, I might have pain. It won't be the first time. It won't be the last. I might have some pain or discomfort. I could have excruciating pain, but I've lived through that before. And, you know, so what? If it happens, it happens. So I lightened that. And then another thing was that I had this heavy thought that I would mess up your experience, that I would slow you down, I would diminish your experience, like, oh, I just wanted you to have a good experience, and I didn't want to be a problem. So I had this heavy thought that I would somehow be a problem, and how I lightened that was that I'd talked to you about it, you told me it would be okay, <laughs> you know. I, I lightened it by saying, we're just good friends, we're in it together, I lightened it by saying, you know, you've already succeeded at completing this event, you know, and so it's okay with you if it's slow, it's okay. So I really lightened that. And then another heavy thought was I had practiced in calm water in the Sea of Galilee and that I had a real concern, a really heavy thought that the waves would just be too much for me, that the waves would be too strong, that I wasn't a strong enough swimmer, that either the waves would be too strong or the waves that the thousands of swimmers were making would be too strong. And I just knew that that was going to be like overwhelming, like too much for me, too much for me physically. So I lightened that by saying there might be waves and there might be a lot of waves from people but that I could take it slow, that I could breathe, that I have a lot of experience in the water, if not swimming long distance, I'm, I could lighten it by just saying it might happen, and I'll deal with it. So then we went on to E for expect. So I asked you and I asked myself, what do you hope for? What do you wish for? 
And I thought of three things that were on my mind. One was that I hoped that it would be easy because I remembered it being kind of easy. And I was like, I hope it's still going to be easy like it was, like I remember it. I also uncovered an expectation that I wanted to swim this in about three hours. So when I swam this in the past, it took about two and a half hours. And, and I wasn't even swimming like at a hard, fast pace. And, you know, I knew that you are not a professional swimmer and that we weren't going to swim fast. Like I knew that was going to happen, but I still was hoping that it would take about three hours. And my last expectation was that I would not get any cramps because that is like the worst thing in the world when you're swimming is to get a cramp, especially when you are like in the middle of the ocean. So those were my expectations. And this is what I did. I accepted the possibility that it might not be easy, whatever that means. I accepted the possibility that we might not swim it in three hours. It might be, take longer. And I accepted the possibility that I might get cramps. And I did that. I accepted all of that, not because I wanted any of those things to happen, but I accepted them in advance so that if they did happen, it wouldn't come as a surprise and I wouldn't get stuck. I just already would have accepted it in advance. So I had an expectation that I would arrive at the completion shore healthy and on my own terms, on my own steam, not like on a poop out boat or something. And so I accepted the idea, the possibility that, okay, I might need a ride in on a boat. I might need a medical support. If I have to, they're there and it, and it wouldn't, there wouldn't be a shame in it. So I just uh, accepted that I might not arrive there as I hoped. Um, and that just took the pressure off. You know, it really just took the pressure off. The thing I expected is I expected that my family would be proud of me, that I could finish, I could complete this challenge, and that my family would be proud of me. And I really got to accept that I might not complete complete it the way I wanted or they might not even be there or they might not you know whatever it's like I just wanted to accept that it might not turn out that my family you know could be really proud of exactly what happened so I just accepted that whatever was going to happen was going to happen and I could be proud of myself with whatever happened you know because I went for it Okay, fantastic. And then as the bus was approaching and we were just about to get off and, you know, start the start the event, I said, okay, wait, our responsibility, who do you want to take responsibility for being? So I'm going to share my ways that I chose to be. I just want to take a pause and say, and really just acknowledge you because I learned about ways of being from you. And this is one of the most powerful parts of the clear way. And even with the unstuck method, I'm teaching people what they can consider is who they're being. And so I just want to take a moment and acknowledge you and thank you for teaching me that powerful lesson on ways of being. And so I chose to be mindful, supportive, and joyful. So for me, mindful really meant 
staying present, like not worrying about the time, not worrying about the distance, not like just really being present. And supportive for me meant staying in awareness of your experience and checking in with you, asking how you're doing, asking how I can help you if you need anything. That was supportive. And then joyful, look, we were surrounded by this exquisite scenery, the Sea of Galilee, the Golan Heights were right in front of us, surrounding us. I just wanted to be in joy. I just wanted to be in a place of joy. So those were my three words. And so before we got into the water, we had that moment that we could really be responsible for who we wanted to be in this experience. And I decided also that I was committed to being mindful. And my mindfulness would be like a mind-body connection that I would stay mindful with what's happening in my body and just sort of keep my head on straight. So mindful that I would also, I'm committed to being committed, that I was very committed to doing my best. So mindful, committed, and relaxed. I knew having a relaxed body would be really important. So I committed to being mindful, committed, and relaxed. So we got clear. We got off the bus. We're like entering the water. And then we had three and a half hours together. (laughs) So I'd love to hear your experience. Sure. One of my favorite sort of turning point moments was... You know, we didn't know really how much time had passed or distance or anything, but the beginning of this uh, swim was excessively difficult for me, getting walking on the really hard, strange rocks and with all the swimmers, and there was a lot of waves, just a lot of waves, and a lot of, it almost felt like a current. It felt like I was swimming against a current. It was really taking a lot from me physically. And I was doing lots of mental tricks to keep my head on straight, like, I can do it, you know, lots of, lots of things. But I had really been working very hard, and I felt like I needed, like, a little reward or a little check-in with reality, like, how far we had come. So I paused. I think I saw somebody with a watch or something and asked, you know, like, how far or how long we'd been swimming or something. And in my, in my very hopeful, unrealistic, oxygen-deprived mind, <laughs> I thought, surely we're like a third finished. <laughs> Somebody said something, you did some math, and it was like, we've gone about a half a kilometer. And I had a choice at that point to like just go down with the ship, like, oh my goodness, I'm never going to be able to finish it. Or to to see what happened, and I just started laughing uncontrollably. I stopped swimming, and I started laughing uncontrollably. I just could not stop laughing. It was hilarious to me that had worked every muscle I didn't know I had for so hard, and I had barely begun. And so it was just like I just couldn't stop laughing. You know, I stopped swimming. I couldn't stop laughing. It was hilarious to me that, you know, I found myself in the Sea of Galilee, not really a strong swimmer at all, not really ever having even learned how to breathe while swimming. And here I am, like going forever how many hours it's going to take. So that was just a time that it was like sink or swim. (laughs) And I decided to laugh and just swim. And that was like 
you also, you know, you had this big smile on your face over there. You were laughing. You didn't have any idea probably what was going on with me, but it was a very joyful moment. And so even though joyful was one of your ways of being, for me, being mindful and taking that little rest for a second and also just letting out the stress with laughter, it also just had me be more relaxed another way of being and my commitment was like really unwavering and so I was mindful committed relaxed and that was just you know beautiful for me and another really funny moment was listen I don't know how these things work but I was pretty sure I was not really getting enough oxygen to my brain sometime because I could tell like it was I started counting my strokes it was being like mentally difficult um and so at one time, I, my goggles, my eyes were underwater looking, and I was spotting for you. I was looking for you. And um, instead of seeing you, I saw this, like, I don't know, this the biggest freshwater snake I'd ever seen in my life. And I, my, you know, I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm not that afraid of snakes, but like I just thought if someone had told me there were going to be this massive snakes in this lake, I, I probably wouldn't have done this, you know. And so I was keeping my cool. I was trying to slow down my swim and just like keep my head on straight, mindful, committed, relaxed, while I saw this massive like snake in the water like a few feet away from me. And then, like, I was like, I'm just going to just, I can't look at it anymore. I'm just going to just put my head under and swim. And that's what I did. And just, like, ignored it because I was being my ways of being. (laughs) And not until three hours later or whatever, when we stood in front of the sign to take our picture, I looked at your bathing suit and I saw my serpent. Your blue and white patterns on your bathing suit. You were the amazing snake that I had seen in the <laughs> in the canaret. So this is a little bit of foggy goggles, a little bit of um, you know beginner swimmer in a an advanced to swim uh, experience, and probably just a little oxygen deprivation. <laughs> That's hysterical. I didn't know that until now. That is so funny. So, uh, an, a, a, an experience I had in the water once when I was asking myself, why am I doing this? <laughs> why am I doing this crazy thing? I uncovered an expectation, a, a hidden expectation I had no, no conscious knowing about. And it was, it was this, that I love my family so much. They're very far away, most of them in the States. And my dad and mom have both had COVID recently and have both recovered, thankfully. And I uncovered this hope and desire that my dad would be able to tell people the story about his daughter. Um, and my dad's Christian, and he's he you know he's come and he's been on the Sea of Galilee, and you know in his stories about Jesus walking on the Sea of Galilee, it's a very big thing for him. And so here I am, and I want, I uncovered the expectation that I want my dad to be able to tell a story. He's a, he's an amazing storyteller. And, you know, he's like in his 80s, 
And I want him to be able to tell the story that Jesus walked on the water and his daughter swam it. <laughs> so I just, I just wanted a really great story for my dad. And so what did you do when you noticed you had that expectation? Yeah, I thought, I think uh, I just get to accept you know, I get to accept that he might tell a great story. He may not. It might be my story to tell. But it's like, it's just part of my life. And I just accept that whatever my stories are, his stories are, they're all, they're all great stories. He may not tell it, but if he doesn't, I probably will. How cool is it, at least for me, how cool is it that you continued getting clear as you went through the event? Like it wasn't a one-time thing, like I'm going to get clear and that's it, but you were noticing more thoughts arise as you were doing the swim and you were able to process through the thoughts. You had a tool to be able to consider what you were going to do with those thoughts. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So I can share kind of piggybacking on that, when we finished, my husband and my son, they had completed it like, you know, two hours before because they did the shorter one. So I noticed that I had an expectation that when we arrived and, you know, we got our belongings and we got the little bags that they give out to all the swimmers, I had an expectation that we would be able to sit under one of those tents and just relax for like an hour and just lay down and close our eyes. And I I noticed that I had that expectation and I also accepted the possibility that once I found my husband, that he would just wanna go home. And that's pretty much what happened. And it was okay. Like I didn't get stuck. And in the past I would have gotten really stuck and I would have gotten really upset with him that he wasn't, you know, he didn't care about us and he wasn't thinking about us. But I accepted in advance that he would want to be ready and he was the driver and he had other things that he needed to do that day. And so that was also helpful to me, even at the end of the race, even, you know, we got clear, we did the race, we completed it. It was all amazing. I still got mentally prepared to meet and greet my husband. And that was actually really, really, really helpful. And I'm so glad that I did that too. I'm with him. I was ready to go home and lay down. (laughs) Way to go, Boaz. Great choice. It's funny because I was thinking that you were also going to be with me, right? I was thinking when we get out of the water, I'm like, Netta's going to want to just relax. She's just going to want to, you know, but then I also lightened that. I'm like, she might not want to. And I also went to that place of she's going to be okay. Like if my husband says we're going right now, I'm going to like stay open to the possibility. I'm going to be curious that she might be like, she might just flow with it. And you totally did. You totally did. So that was really helpful for me to just, again, get clear once we got out of the water. And it's funny because it's not something I was planning to share on this podcast, that the fact that you got clear when we were in the middle of the race, and then I got clear at the end of the race. But it is, it really is. This tool is this kind of moment to moment consciousness of like what's happening next And am I really mentally prepared, you know, to go into that future moment? It's not just a one-time thing. So thank you for sharing that. It it jogged a little bit more of my memories of what happened today. So I'll share with you a little bit of my experience after having gotten clear with you. So one was that that I did notice the struggle in the beginning for you. 
I think we saw that it said we swam 500 meters or something like that. And then we asked somebody how much time and it was like a half hour or something like that. And it just felt like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we, that's it. <laughs> and I remember looking at your face. And so, so my experience was, okay, like she's struggling a little bit. She's a little, I think she might be nervous. And I just, I just thought about that word, like being supportive. And I just remember lifting up my goggles and putting them on top of my head and just like, just being supportive, like just watching you and being with you and, and being joyful about that. Like really just like, this is what we're doing today, Shira. This is what we're doing and we're going to have fun. And then I remember you going on your back and you started laughing and I didn't know what it was about, but it's funny because Boaz and I went on a retreat last week and one of the sessions was a laughter session and we learned all about the different kinds of belly laughter and how laughing is contagious. And we did all these different laughter exercises. So when you started laughing, it reminded me of that class. And I was just so uninhibited. I'm like, I'm going to laugh with her. Like, and I just started laughing and I went on my back and I just was laughing too. And that was fun. That was just so fun. Just so like, and it was so unexpected. I didn't know why you were laughing. And I was like, whatever, I'm just going to laugh with her too. So around that 500 meter mark, I, I got a cramp in the toes of my left foot. And it was, it's excruciating. I don't know if you know about cramps and toes, but it's excruciating. And so much pain. And of course, there's nothing to grab onto. Like you can't grab onto something and just like if you're in a pool and you could just grab onto the side, you can't. So you just kind of have to be with the pain and swim through it. And it wasn't terrible, maybe like 10 minutes or something like that. And after 10 minutes, it went away. And I was like, thank God. And then immediately it started in my right foot. And I was like, okay, just now just flex your toes and your right foot, Shira. You can do this. You just did it with your left foot. Do it, do it in your right foot. And so again, it took like 10 minutes or something like that. It was excruciating pain, but whatever. I was being mindful. I was just being present. Like I noticed it. I noticed the pain. There was nothing I could do except notice it. And then after about 10 minutes, it went away. And then two more times from at that point, because we swam for three and a half hours, and I do have a tendency to get cramps. So it happened in the beginning, and then two more times it happened in my right foot. But it didn't stop me. I was just, you know, mindful. I accepted in advance that I knew it might happen, and it did, and, and, and it was fine, and it passed. So another way that my ways of being kind of manifested in terms of being joyful was just really taking my time. And I just remember swimming like that. I just remember swimming from that place of not being in a rush. And that was wonderful. And so there was something else I wanted to say. So in terms of being supportive, I noticed as we were swimming that there were times that you wanted to rest. Now, there were like every 500 meters, there were like these floating docks that we were able to stop at. And for the most part, we just swam. We just, we just did the race. We didn't really stop. And so I noticed at different points you wanted to rest, but you didn't want to rest at the dock. And so what you would do, and maybe you can explain it if you want, but it looked like you were doing your own resting thing. Either you were resting on your back or, but I noticed you either putting your head in the water and curling up into a ball or 
rolling onto your side and you would give me signs. You would go under the water and you would have like a thumbs up. So it was just a sign to me that like you're okay and you're just resting. And then you would give me another sign with your hands like we're moving forward, you know, and I would just go with you. And I just loved, I think what I loved most about this, and I, and I swam this before with other people, I think what I love most about this experience is doing it with somebody. Because I can swim that alone. It's not a problem. And I think there are lots of people that just swim it alone. But I think there's something really special and, and meaningful in doing this with somebody. So it was a joy for me to be able to be supportive of you in that experience. Totally. And a, a really special moment for me was when we were swimming and the sun started to rise up behind these beautiful mountains, palm trees, beautiful shoreline, and just remembering how many mornings over the months that we have walked together at 5.30 in the morning, watching the sunrise here on land in Hanaton in our home. And, and now, what an amazing sunrise that we could experience together in the in the Sea of Galilee right swimming like to the other to the to the other shore and just watching the sunrise from the water instead of like from the land for months and months and months so it was just really beautiful also just to share a different kind of experience with you and that it just deepened our friendship and to do it together you were totally like championing me and supporting me and loving me and ah, it was just really meaningful and also just us doing it together as friends just was so meaningful and that time in the bus when we got clear together to know that we could do that together you know that we had a common a common tool a common ground common language that we could really move together forward together by do, using this tool together and it really made me think of like um, other friends I have that also use the tool you know our our joint friends that use the tool when we get clear before we take the kids together somewhere and so like we have this these are beautiful friendships of people like-minded people who can use the tools and so I just thought like how amazing would it be when friends or partners are going to do something small or big. This was a big thing for me. But even small things like, you know, going to the movies or getting groceries or something to be able to share the tool and in that share a process of life that makes life easier and just clears the way for whatever's coming next. So I was just thinking if if I got to tell your listeners anything that I would ask like who's a friend who's a friend that you have that you like to do stuff with that it's better because they're with you and do they know how to get unstuck and do they know the clear way and if not like now you know now's my favorite time you know my favorite time is now (laughs) awesome I love that message that's you definitely hit the nail on the head in terms of the message that I wanted to get across for this episode was the joy, but it's more than joy. It's, it's really the power. It's like the power of possibility. That's what it feels like to me. 
All right. So I have a question, Netta. Two questions, really. One, do you think you would do this again, this event? Would you do it again? And two, if you do it again, would you do it with a buddy? So basically, they say never say never, but I would never do this without a buddy. (laughs) I don't care what they say. I would never do this without a buddy. I cannot recommend people going into 85 feet deep seas with lots of waves without someone watching their back. And, and holding them in a uh, supported space. So I would never do it, never do it without that. And would I do it again? I've asked myself that question, and I even asked myself during the swim, why am I doing this? <laughs> um, and, and I would do it again. I would do it again with uh, some more preparation and better swimming technique. And I would do it again, and my just for a balance of experience, if I were to do it again, I would love to be able to do it in a role reversal way because I got a full experience of being seen and safe and like guarded, you know, like lifeguarding. You were like my personal lifeguard. And so having that experience of being so supported and having a joyful experience all these and being very mindful I I could see myself wanting to have the other side of that to be able to be strong enough and clear enough and experienced enough to be able to provide that experience for someone else so I guess that's a yes I am so grateful that you are in my life and that I can share this tool with you. And it's a privilege to be able to continue growing and learning from you every single day. And I love you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview and that it touched you on some level in your life. I cannot emphasize enough how much better life is when you go through it with a buddy who speaks your language. When I asked Netta if she wanted to get clear before the event, I really took it for granted that I have a friend who is familiar with my tools. Not everybody I know knows or uses my tools, and that's okay. But for the ones who do, we share a common language and like an effective way to get through difficult times together. I have to say, I love that I share this common language with my husband, with my kids, and with my closest friends. And of course, inside of the emotionally equipped circle, this is the language we speak. It just makes life so much easier and even more enjoyable. And you feel supported and you feel understood. And so like Netta suggested, if you are already using these tools in your life, consider getting a buddy to share them with. And if you're not yet familiar with these tools, I invite you to head over to my website and start learning more about them today. Okay, my dear friends, thank you so much for choosing to be with me today, wishing you a wonderful rest of your week. And as always, I look forward to getting emotionally equipped with you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please share it with a friend or family member who may not know much about podcasting. If they need help, please show them how to subscribe to the show and how they can leave a review. And if you aren't yet subscribed to my newsletter, make sure you do sign up by visiting my website, shiragura.com. I look forward to being with you again next week.